Hello, Blue Jays. Welcome back to the Johns Hopkins Newsletter Podcast for another episode. I'm Lubna Azmi. And I'm Lauren G. We at the newsletter are excited to share the ins and outs of Hopkins with you. From recaps of pressing Hopkins news, interviews with notable community figures, and peeks into daily student life, make sure you tune in every other Thursday. For our first recap today, Jeju criticized for lagging behind on Africana studies. Faculty members from the Center for Africana Studies are planning to submit a proposal to the university requesting the departmentalization of Africana studies. This will allow the department to hire new faculty independently and support doctorate degrees. In an interview with the newsletter, Associate Professor and Director of the Center for Africana Studies, Minka Makalani, described how Africana Studies at Johns Hopkins compares to other universities. Africana Studies at Hopkins is woefully behind, he said. In terms of as an institution in itself, being a center as opposed to a department, having very limited office space, we're light years behind our peers. Peer institutions like Harvard, Columbia, Yale, and Brown have supported Africana Studies for decades. Furthermore, since the early 1990s, members of the Black Student Union at Hopkins have demanded a Black Studies department. Makalani stated that the university's current administration has sounded a different tone, and he is hopeful that the center will become a department. We have the commitment from the faculty, he said. The students have an interest in Black Studies, so our number of majors, small as they are, They've increased over the past year. Everything is there to say this can be a viable department. Rising to the challenge, Hopkins' team confronts healthcare burnout. In the latest edition of In for the Long Haul, a column that aims to investigate and increase awareness about COVID-19's impact on physical health, mental and emotional well-being, and the functioning of society as a whole. There has been an increased attention to the growing rate of physician burnout, Studies have shown that healthcare workers, including physicians, nurses, and advanced practice providers, work longer hours compared to other U.S. workers, and the more clinical role their job requires, the more severe their burnout is. Especially ever since the pandemic, physician burnout levels have increased with their intent to leave. However, Cheryl Connors, a patient safety specialist at the Armstrong Institute for Patient Safety and Quality, reflects on the positive effects the pandemic has had on the physicians. Ever since the incident where an 18-month-old baby died in Johns Hopkins Hospital due to a physician's poor teamwork and communication, the need for support care for the physicians have been brought to light. Connors is the director of the Resilience in Stressful Events RISE program, which is a 24-7 virtual or in-person support system for individuals and healthcare teams whose feelings of stress or ongoing struggles are connected to work, grief, death, and or trauma in the workspace, even if the underlying causes of their emotional distress are not all patient-related. RISE started from supporting 400 employees a year to serving 400 employees a week. RISE served as the backbone of support for our health system during the pandemic, virtually and in person, she said. I think the pandemic not only normalized stress, but also, more importantly, normalized asking for help and receiving support. Next up, Gilman Hall, past and present. Gilman Hall, one of the central landmarks and oldest academic buildings on Homewood campus, has not always looked like it does right now. Gilman Hall was first completed in 1915 with the value equivalent of $10 to $11 million in 2023. 
Gilman was named after the first university president in 1876, Daniel Coit Gilman. Before Eisenhower Library was built, Gilman served as the main library on campus. However, by 1964, all the books were moved out and the space was used by faculty as a storage with few seminar rooms and offices. In 2010, Gilman finally finished its three-year construction to become how it is now. The outdoor courtyard hallway that was originally inaccessible to faculty and students was renovated into the current atrium with the inspiration from the Beinecke Rare Book Library at Yale. In addition, a new archaeology museum was renovated right under the atrium. In an interview with the newsletter, Professor Emeritus Betsy Bryan of the Near Eastern Studies Department noted the positive effects of the renovation on the museum. It's been an enormous sea of change in terms of how many people know we have a museum, how many people use it, how many students come through there, take classes that are related to it, she said. Without the renovation, I know that we would never have been able to attract the number of students who come in there and get a chance to actually work with pieces on their own. An Intersection Between Physics and Music The Bloomberg Center for Physics and Astronomy hosted Music and Astronomy, New Music for Voices Inspired by Space, which featured original compositions and vocal performances by Peabody Institute students. Each composer drew inspiration from an image of deep space, which were curated by physics and astronomy professor Bryce Menar. Some of the images were taken by the James Webb Space Telescope, operated right across the street from the Bloomberg Center. In the program notes, composition professor Michael Hirsch, whose relationship with Menar led to the interdisciplinary event, expressed his desire to see similar projects in the future. One of the immense joys of working at Peabody has been the conservatory's relationship with the totality of Johns Hopkins University. He wrote, The performance this evening is the first of what we hope will be many contacts between our departments in the future and, indeed, the beginning of far more collaboration like this university-wide. Let's hop outside to hear a few voices on the quad. In this segment, we ask students around the Hopkins campus to share their impromptu thoughts on a different topic every episode. This time on Voices on the Quad, we wanted to know, what brought a smile to your face this week? I went rock climbing yesterday with the Outdoors Club, and it made me smile. I asked my three best friends whether or not we could all raise a child together, and so we ended up having some really fun conversations. My mom gave me a Starbucks gift card because she knows I have two exams, and she's like, you need caffeine. So I'm in Tutorial Project, which is a club where you like help tutor um, elementary school kids. And this week, um, my 2T told me that I was her best friend, and then she gave me one of her rings to keep, and it just made my whole week. My friend from home came to visit me, and it was really nice to hang out with all of my friends, as well as with her, and introduce her to what Hopkins is like. Meeting other people who sign in ASL and getting to practice with them. My athletic team won our game last night against Syracuse. That made me smile. Me and my friends all got together to watch reality TV, which we don't do that often. We watched MILF Manor, um, and it was quite comedical, like just seeing the show, and we got a lot of good laughs through it. My acapella group, um, we had new members come in a couple weeks ago, and it's just really fun seeing all the new members interacting with the old members, and everyone's laughing and smiling all throughout rehearsal, so it really brightens up my day every time I get to see them. It was when we went to a homeless shelter and we made some decorations for their St. Patrick's Day celebrations. My little sister texted me that she was really excited 
that she uh, got through Skull Caverns in um, Stardew Valley, like this video game that she plays. Um, and yeah, she's 12. That made me smile because she was super excited and proud of herself. Um, and I was super happy for her. Finding out that Shadow and Bone comes out this Thursday. My favorite plant shop had their six-year anniversary. So my friends and I went and we got a ton of plants uh, half off and it was nice to kind of be in our community and hang out with some people in the Baltimore community that we don't normally see um, and get some plants out of it. So it was really nice. Was seeing the dogs on campus. <laughs> I think they were on like the Gilman quad um, and they were really cute on my way to class. So that's something that made me smile this week. That's all for Voices on the Quad. We'll catch up with more students next time. Now let's move on to our wrap up. Here's what to watch and watch for according to our arts section. The DC tentpole Shazam! Fury of the Gods premieres this weekend, along with limited releases of smaller indies like the high-concept thriller Inside and the dramedy Wildflower. The biopic Boston Strangler streams on Hulu, while the one-of-a-kind comedy Pinball, The Man Who Saved the Game, finally gets its theatrical release. In books... New York Times bestselling author of Dear Edward has penned Hello Beautiful, an acclaimed love story of familial love. The engrossing historical fiction Daughters of Nantucket, a novel, is making its way onto the shelves as well. Now, onto a rapid-fire recap of science news. Coming just in time for Women's History Month, a recent study challenged the claim that female mice should be excluded from biomedical research because of hormonal fluctuations from their estrus cycles, the mouse equivalent of a menstrual cycle. The conclusion provides further support for the calls to account for differences in sex and animal research, particularly when it comes to drug and treatment testing. Next up, NASA announced in a tweet on Tuesday that it identified a large asteroid that has the potential, 1 in 625 chance, to collide with Earth in 2046. The asteroid itself, 50 meters in diameter, the size of an Olympic swimming pool, would not produce as disastrous an impact as the asteroid that likely wiped out the dinosaurs and measured 7.5 kilometers across. Now let's check in with the Blue Jays competing all over the country. Men's and Women's Swim is competing at the NCAA Championships in Greensboro, North Carolina this weekend. Men's Lacrosse is visiting the Naval Academy in Annapolis on Saturday, and Women's Lacrosse is visiting Ohio State University at Columbus, Ohio. Both men's and women's fencing are competing at the NCAA Championships in Durham, North Carolina. Live video and stats can be found at hopkinsports.com. Go hop! That's all for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. For more in-depth news, you can visit our website, www.jhunewsletter.com, and find print editions of our paper around campus. The Newsletter Podcast is produced by Paige Moldsby. Audio production by Michael Gorlin. Script written by Tommy Song and Claire Park, and edited by Angela Zhu. Production support from Molly Gahigan and Michelle Limpe. Music by Ashna Pathan. Thanks again for listening.